Up next on Inside Champ Car, we preview the season opener Road Atlanta, and we go bench racing with our bank racing driver, Andrew Johnson. Welcome to Inside Champ Car. I'm Brian Polanski. And I'm Bill Strong. You are? I am. Oh, the man. Bill Strong. No, my dad is called Bill Strong, too. There you go. There you go. This is Inside Champ Car. We are here for our second episode. Bill, the first episode was fantastic. Yes, it was. Unlike this one, which you know just started off really bad already. The bloopers <laughs> are going to be awesome. Well, that's the cool part about doing this as a podcast. I get rid of all that stuff, and we look brilliant when it's all over. So, Except for those people who know us who realize that we're not brilliant. Oh, and it's yeah, all smoke yeah. and mirrors. So. Well, let's just say the microphones were on. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we will be burning this computer down so there is no evidence to be shown later. So, so. Uh, I'm here in Virginia, which is in the dead of winter right now yeah. um you're out in southern california which is not in the dead of winter no no oh, what 60 degrees 70 degrees it, it's uh it was 60 something today it was in tomorrow it's supposed to actually get close to 80 with santa Ana winds so that could be a little dangerous out here but but yeah, otherwise see, it's perfect that's like the best work on my champ car days i mean you, you guys can do work on these cars 24 7 365 days a year i mean we you know it's hard for us i mean my my shop is you know 200 yards away a quantit hut that's you know can hold five or six cars but no heat um frozen floor from the snow you know when a snow melts it leaks in and you kind of have to ice skate around and it's just it's 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 bad i know a lot of folks up here andrew who's coming up a bit later lives up in the chicago area and you know, it's it's ice up there, um, and you're from up north too, right? That's right. I'm from I'm from the Chicago area. Born in Chicago, raised in Wisconsin, went to school in Minnesota, and uh, yeah, I, I, I when people from back home ask me why did you move to Southern California, you just answered the question. Yeah, I change my oil all year round. Actually, here it's different. I make sure that I do the car maintenance in May. Because yeah. I don't want to work in the garage in, in August and September because it's just too darn hot. Right. Yeah. You when know? I lived out, I'm from San Diego. I, I grew up in yeah. San Diego. And when I lived out there, it was 68 degrees, 69 degrees all year long. I mean, yeah. we did have, a you know, February, it got down into the 20s or 30s for a day or two. And I do remember ice and it snowed once in, in the 60s. But it was it was always warm. You could always, and, you know, it was something you never thought about. It right. was just you just went out and did stuff. I I never now, have to shovel sunshine. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it it's 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 fun living out there. Though the only the only downside I see with the California area was all the good racetracks. I mean all the the historic racetracks are kind of going away. I'm I'm surrounded by racetracks here in Central Virginia. I got VIR and Summit Point. Um another new track or to the, to the East of me. We're not far from Watkins Glen, Pittsburgh. I mean, there's just a huge amount of tracks I can go race at. Right. And, but Southern California Riverside's gone. Yep. Um, Auto club kind of going away, you know, probably, probably. I think it's still there. We we've done racing there. We, we actually had a Jay Leno with us and uh, Adam Corolla. Right. Right. Um, were there with us two years ago and at auto club and, you know, I had fun at that track. It was neat, yeah. but I think they're going to turn that into what an eighth mile oval or something. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a quarter mile or close to a half mile oval, and and I, I've looked at it because because we we've done some racing there as well, and 
they could still keep a road course. It would have a lot. Le- it'd be a lot shorter than the old right. one because a lot of the NASCAR would be gone. There is a way to do it. I don't think they're going to. I think they want to use the rest of that racetrack for some kind of like hotel thing. Ah, but right, right. But uh, but we still have Willow Springs out here, which yep, is great. Yep, I and, love that we're there this year actually. And um, I'll be joining you there, yep. whether you you like it or not. Um, cool. So I'll, I'll be making a drive by there for that, and and then of course there's Button Willow, which yep. is a, a great track. I spend a lot of a lot of my time there. So, and there's but, one out in the desert, out uh, east of Terra. Uh, you go out ten, and it's way out there by the Arizona border. Chuckwalla. Chuckwalla. That's yep. it. Yep. I haven't been there yet, but I think I'm going to get there this year. So I think that's one we're going to be working on for next year to get. Um, it's uh, it sounds it's a really interesting track. And there's a, a brand new one that's open. It's kind of a, a privateer track just outside of Phoenix now. Yes. And I, I understand that uh, one of the vintage groups might be going out there, and I may get there this year as well. So lots that of stuff going of on. And, and But you know what? You talk about being cold. You guys are going racing next weekend. Yeah, we're Actually, in, you guys are going uh, well, racing this weekend. No. Well, w- w- when this airs, oh, yes, yes. this airs. Uh, w- when this finally comes out, it'll be like the day the day before racing. So this weekend, I know. All right. I just shivered because this morning I woke up and somebody had posted on our Champ Car Garage uh, Facebook page sixteen days until Road Atlanta, and I right. just had this ah right moment. You know, so, you, you you freak out. People might be listening to this podcast going through tech at Road Atlanta because they might be when this they is coming be. out. So, so like I was going to say, first race of the year, February fourth and fifth. That's coming up like right now because we, yep. we're putting this out on the Thursday before the race at Mich- Michelin Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta, yep. uh, just north of the beautiful, you know, uh, uh, what do they call the loop around Atlanta now? I can't even forget to remember it now. The two eighty five loop. Oh, yeah, I'm not from that area. All yeah. I know is that you have to stay away from that area because it's, you know, a piece of a, a little drop of rain falls and it stacks up. <laughs> so 14 hour race all on Saturday with a test day on Friday, uh, load in and technical inspection on Thursday. Yep. It's got it's a big time. You guys yeah, are getting ready to ramp the whole thing up. It's big. We have uh, Bob Varsha is going to be working with us again up in the tower. Polly and uh, Bob will be up in the tower this weekend. We're, we're allowing Paul to escape the studio uh, from Indiana and um, they'll be working up there. I believe Tiffany will be with us and still waiting for her schedule. And um, the uh, I'll be on pit lane unless it's like cold. Then I might be engineering something upstairs. Who knows? Because, <laughs> nice. you know, but it's uh it's either go- here we can edit this right yeah. so it's e- so you know hopefully it, it may be snowing it may be hot it may be cold it may be raining it may be all <laughs> of the above at road atlanta this weekend but it's going to be a fun race and and road atlanta is on my top five tracks of all time to race on it's right. it's a brilliant fast very technical track to get right and if you screw up it's going to hurt you well and road atlanta was one of my home tracks because of course i've lived all around the country mm-hmm. and i did a couple of years at cnn in atlanta so while i was in atlanta road atlanta was my home track i actually right. when i first moved to atlanta i didn't understand anything about traffic so i moved on the other side of town and as soon as my first year lease was up i drew a line between cnn which is right downtown atlanta 
and Road Atlanta, and I cut it in half, and that's where I chose to find my next apartment. <laughs> so I was literally 45 minutes from work, an hour from Road Atlanta, right smack in the middle in a little place called Duluth, uh, okay. uh, Duluth, Georgia. And it was uh, it was the perfect place to go for a single guy who was racing crazy and working at CNN. So I, I know the track really, really well. Uh, there are there are places there. There's really no place at Road Atlanta where if you make a mistake, it's not going to hurt you. Yeah. You know, it's it's just there's every we, corner sets up something really important for the next corner. We've even had some big incidences on the back straight. Oh, yeah. Where you would you think that's the time to rest, not rest, but you're check you're checking your belts to tighten them up. You're looking at your gauges and you look up and there's a slow car in front of you. It's, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a place that you really have to be on top, on, on top of your game. It, you can't relax anywhere at that track. Well, I'm so old that when I raced there, the backstretch didn't have a left right combination. Right. right. And turn you know, 10 a and turn B. Exactly. And 10B. So that made it a little less technical because you just kind of put your foot on the floor until you got to the bridge. Right. And and if you were really brave, you still kept your foot on kept the floor under the bridge. But now it's, you know, you have to have that, that left-hander 10, 10, 10 a combination there, and that changes the whole concept of what that, that backstretch was. But, you know, they spent too many times having prototype cars go end over somersaulting yeah. down the back straight. They had to slow it down, and that's how they chose to do it. So, But, yeah, it, it, and it's one of those things where that combination is so important because if you don't hit it right, then you don't have 11 yeah. and 12 right and, right, and that screws up the start of your lap. And that screws up turn one. Exactly. You know, it's, it's there's so many there's so many connections at that track that if you screw up, you just screw up so many down the down the line there. Exactly. But uh, yeah, we had a we had a race there. I, I want to say 2015, 2014. And uh, I think we were shooting for seventh place. We'd had it was kind of a race. You know, what's the number one rule of racing is uh, don't hit your teammate. Yes. Well, we had we had one of those incidences <laughs> and um, <clears throat> we were all fighting back for position. And I think we were in the top 10 and and the uh, team was saying, hey, there this this car, you, you're you're hunting for this car. And so I'm hunting and hunting and hunting. I'm, I'm last in of the car, a couple minutes left of the race. And they said, he's right in front of you. Get him, get him, get him. And so I dive into 10. I'm thinking I am just going to late break as as late as I can and turn. And hopefully these tires hold. And I did, and I took that part faster than that corner faster than I probably ever should have um, with my skill level, but I made it, came down the hill, and I hit this, oh, no, no, you already passed him two laps ago. <laughs> so I, I almost ended up in the sand trap. That's how close it was. It was, <laughs> you know, that's one of those tracks. So how does the entry list look? I know we're still, because we're recording a couple of weeks before yep. the event. What's it look like right now? Well, right now we're at 56 okay. when we're recording this. And we're usually around 70 to 80 cars. I think a lot of folks, the last two years was kind of abnormal. We've had two snow outs. Snow outs would be uh, the last couple hours of the race canceled because of snow. And when I say snow, I'm not talking about, you know, Atlanta's car spinning everywhere, snow flakes. I'm talking three, four inches of snow wow. on the ground. Um, we actually red flagged the race and had a hard time getting all the cars back because there were cars stuck going up turn one, you know, past turn one and just all over the place. And and the fog came in and that just made it worse. And I had to go pick up my cameras and 
I was like, these guys, you know, they just didn't have the right tires on. No, they couldn't see. They've got these bright racing lights on and the fought. Yeah, it was insane. I had so much respect for these guys. Like, how did they do this for the laps that they ran where they couldn't see? And um, but yeah, we have 56 cars. Um, we've got some good teams coming out, signed up for it. Uh, we suspect that teams are going to be, are, are going to wait a week or two, kind of get that 10 day forecast to see where we're at and then sign up for it. So we should be in the 70 to 80 range. I know we have some Florida folks that are coming up as well. They just haven't got their cars done. Some teams get their cars, wait to get their car done and then, um, then enter the car into the race. Um, but yeah, we have some Hong North, uh, they're coming up. Those guys have done really well at that track over the years. Uh, NLS Racing, they've led that race a couple of times. Uh, they've got two cars entered. They One of them actually got pretty banged up uh, at uh, VIR. Uh, actually, both of them got banged up pretty bad at, at VIR in December. But those guys are pretty hardcore, and they'll get those cars working. Um, Visceral Racing Group, they've got two Porsche 944 RSR. The RSR and the uh, RS cars, they will be there with their uh, Porsches. By the looks of it, it looked like Ron was actually rebodying those cars, or at least one of them. Uh, he showed up one of the races with the car, the back of the cars cut off. They had some crash damage, mm -hmm. and uh, they just ran them like that. Uh, our tech wasn't too happy about that, um, <laughs> the crush zones being gone. Um, the cars are stupid light, stupid fast. Of course, it was a rain race, so that didn't really help them. Um, but uh, uh, Ron, working hard to get those cars back. He's also a car that can show up and, uh, and win this race. But, you know, the, the guys that have, I think, the most, uh, the biggest chance of winning would be uh, Cone Crushers and their Porsche 944. They have done really well over the years. Um, top, you know, they've won that race a couple of times. They've uh, finished at the top. Um, of course, whoever I say here, other guys are going, no, it's going to be me. You know, RVA graphics is going to be there with their E thirties. There's a whole top bunch of E thirties that show up, uh, UGA university of Georgia motorsports. They show they're going to show up with their 99 Ford Mustang. Um, you know, the, that's a student team. Um, if you didn't know, we let student teams, uh, race for free wow. and, uh, the, um, that's a university team. They race under the school colors. It's actually, uh, um, I, it's set up sort of the same way that formula SAE is. Okay. They actually have a program of learning and, uh, they get to go, uh, build the car, learn about it and then go racing cool. a lot of arrow done on those cars. And they've done pretty well over the last couple of years. They're getting close. They're getting close. And of course, flying ghost, uh, that's a big name team. Um, they're, uh, they're racing a whole bunch of races with us this year. Uh, you know, and then 901 motorsports, those guys, uh, some of those guys work at Auto AutoZone, and they're um, uh, who help sponsor the Champ Car Live or advertise for the Champ Car Live. Uh, they Great. help us present that show. So, so it's the first race of the year. It's February. It's Atlanta. So you know that is technically winter. Yeah. You know, people don't think Atlanta has winter, but you, you talked about it. You had some snow. You guys don't put the uh, the Champ Car snowmobile in the trailer for these races, uh, just we, in case you need it. No, we had the Touareg, which is four all wheel drive, and <laughs> and and we had really good tires on that. And the first year we had the snow two years ago, um, I actually got out there and helped squeegee off the track with the tires we nice. melted the snow and they got the blower out they were all excited they got to use their nascar blower oh, and yeah. uh you know we had to be careful driving beside it because they kept telling us it's going to tip over the car so we had all of our champ vehicles out there kind of helping uh push the snow off the track of course we got back to racing and then later on we had to end up quitting because of the fog came in there you go but, there you go 
So what do teams have to think about when they're going to this kind of event with the potential of wildly different weather? I mean, it could also be 65 degrees and sunny, too. Yeah, it's this is a great place to put our tech tip. Oh, done, done. We need some tech tip music. Can I? I'll come up with tech tip music. There we go. So, um, yeah. So not only with cold. Um, a lot of times we've been to that track where it's been 20 degrees in the morning, you get up and you walk out to your car and you're thinking, Oh, I forgot to put the car cover on it. And now I have four inches of ice on the window and on the inside of the window where you can't really get to it and scrape it and all that stuff. Um, you know, you have rain, humidity, uh, all kinds of, and this is not just in the cold, but also, you know, the hot, the hot summers, um, the fall, any time of the year, you have rain, snow, whatever. How do you defrost those windows? A lot of these guys, especially guys in the South, they pull every ounce of weight out of these cars they can. We have no minimum weight limits in Champ Car. So they pull the, the defroster out, the heater out, everything. Now, when it comes time to uh, race at, at Road Atlanta, you're thinking, why the heck did I take my heater out? You know, it's I, I needed this. So, you know, a lot of guys will run. Um, we still have teams that run stock parts. You know, it's, sure. we still have them. But then you have these teams that they'll run these fancy uh, bilge fans that you run in, uh, you know, the boats, the right, little fans. Right. They use it for brake fans for a uh, NASCAR. Okay. Um, uh, but uh, a lot of guys will point those at the window. And those work pretty well. That's kind of what I used. Um, but there's also a company called, uh, of course, my screen goes blank, Frostfighter. So Frostfighter is the kind of the big thing the teams have been using for the past three to four years. They're the defroster uh, lines that you see on the back windows. Sure. Sure. You can buy them as a, as a, um, a stick on that you put on the front window. Huh? And now you think now I'm looking through these lines and it's going to make, it's going to be a distraction from everybody I've spoken to. And I've only run one car with them. You never even notice them. Sure. Sure. It's just, you don't see it. It's like, you know, when your wipers are running and it stopped raining, sometimes you don't, you don't see it, but frost fighter is, uh, a big seller. Um, you can buy them direct. You can buy them from Bimmer World. They actually sell them. Hmm. Um, I know they're looking for uh, additional um, folks to sell through. So if you have any any um, need, you can get look at talk to them at uh, frostfighter.com. But you can also order direct. And uh, they ship out really quick. Um, again, Bimmer World also ships out pretty quick from them. And Bimmer World is part of uh, um, uh, Lifeline Fire in okay. Uh, okay. Virginia. And um, both, you know, it's all one company. Sure, sure. But yeah, it's uh, and those work really, really well at keeping your uh, your window defrost defrogged, and that's a big plus because it's hard to do fast laps or consistent laps when you're having to pull a squeegee out with a rag on it to uh, wipe a hole so you can see through the window, or you know, frost, and you can't scrape the inside of the window from a seat safely. I, I remember, and I don't remember which it was. It was it Lama or Daytona, whatever it was. But there were you could see the team had devised this thing with a towel <laughs> on a stick, and right. I don't remember which driver it was, but you could see him going at like 190 miles yeah. per hour because you can only do it on a straight. Yeah. So, so you can't do it in the corners, and so, but it, you want to go fast in the straight. So he, you could see the stick and a guy trying to clean the windshield at 190 miles. It was hilarious. And so what's scary. really funny about that was that you know we we've been doing this not me but Champ Car teams have been running in the rain and in, in this in this type of weather with open cars because we don't allow the uh, passenger or the right. driver's side windows to be on, 
in hurricane. We had a tropical storm at Daytona one year. So we've had, and as soon as that water comes in the car, it hits that hot floorboard and turns into steam the whole bit. So we've had teams that, that, that have devised things like that. They take the snow scrapers. Okay. And they wrap, um, they wrap a bath towel. Yeah. Well, the microfiber yeah, cross yeah. onto yeah. them and that kind of stuff to do that. And so when you saw that highlight of the driver doing that, and also another driver putting tape on his on his visor one time. Our guys just go nuts on the internet. Say, hey, I did that. I did that at such and such. And you know, it's like you know, they're copying us and you know, that kind of stuff. But it's but you know what? A lot of those guys do race with us. So right. who knows where they learned it? Well, it's funny because you know, and if you're if you're driving from, you know, de- de- uh daylight into dark. You know, one of the tricks that I always like to do is I put on a a, uh, a smoke colored yeah. tear off on my helmet. And then as the sun starts to go down, I just pull that tear off. And now I have a clear shield or, or my amber shield. Yeah. And that gets me through the dusk and all that kind of stuff. So there's lots of little tricks you can do for that kind of thing. So so now, again, I, and I think I, I established this on our first episode. I, I am a, a, a neophyte when it comes to champ cars. So I get to ask all the dumb questions you know and i figure if there's other people just getting started with this there might be other people with the dumb questions so it's not such a dumb question so these this defroster it's not a performance thing so that's unlimited as far as what what, it doesn't get any points or anything right no anything within the inside the car cabin where the driver sits that's that's driver related is open you can run whatever timing systems you want into it however if you want 50 gauges or or zero gauges you can run that lights um you know, you can run cool shirts, you know, with a 50 gallon tank of ice in it, or just those really cool, uh, cool shirt things that don't run water. I forget what they're called, but a lot of guys are using those now. And then, um, yeah, you can run anything you want. You got to run a racing seat. Um, no specs on that. Um, you do have to have all the holes on the firewall covered up. None of this, if it's larger than whatever, no, it's a hole. It needs to be covered because fuel, we've seen fuel come in those holes. Right. We've seen fire come in those holes yep. and we've seen some pretty bad. I, I want to say we've seen some pretty bad fires in champ car. We have not had that many fires in champ car, but the ones we did have have been pretty bad. So we've, we've changed our rules quickly to sort those out. And one of them was firewalling and getting all the fuel system out of the way. And I think a lot of the other, um, uh, sanctioning bodies have done the same um, when it comes to uh, a lot of the safety stuff uh, when it comes to fueling. And it's, yep. you know, well, we've been doing that with uh, the ABCD since, you know, right, 1940. Right. And you're like, well, now you look at them. And it's like, no, they're pretty much doing the same thing we are now. So absolutely. All right. So what else do we need to know about this, this first round at <clears throat> road Atlanta before well, we, before we get to our, our break and get to our guest? Well, just remember, it could be cold, so you're allowed to put up to 10% of antifreeze in your car. Um, that doesn't mean, you know, 100% antifreeze. It means 10%. We know how you racers like to push those those percentages. Um, headlights are required at this track uh, because it is a nice race, night race. Four mac- a maximum of four headlights on the car. If they're working or not, maximum of four. You can't have six lights with two unplugged. It has to be four max. Got it. Um the max sound, uh, which we're really going to be pushing is 96 dB at 50 feet. Um, that's kind of my job. So I'll be hitting teams for that. But Road Atlanta is pretty good. These guys get their cars uh, quiet at that track. Um, let's see what else. Uh, we're using the club paddock, which is the outside 
paddock, not the inside one. We've kind of used both over the years. Um, and remember, when you're going through tech, if you've got an ESS fire bottle, you have to take that out of the car and have it weighed before every race. Interesting. Um, okay. Yeah, they have uh, they have some leakage issues when it comes to got freezing and, and things like that, or even just life. They have some leakage issues. So by weighing it, we can see, does it have enough? Because we've had some issues where the teams pulled the pin and it would, you know. Yeah, yeah. So we don't want to see that again. And then Flagtronics is going to be there as well. They'll have some, some units for uh, – for rent you can also buy them from flagtronics.com um and that's our flagging system uh the in-car flagging system and they'll be on track as well with the big panels which are really sure. nice at night sure. not necessarily in the fog because i guess they they kind of blind you in the fog <laughs> so hopefully it won't be foggy but you there can you see go. them all right so it's an eight o'clock green flag 8 a.m green flag 10 o'clock mm-hmm. checkered flag and and an award ceremony at 10 30 everybody yep. wants to be on top of that podium right yeah they do and uh this race, you'll see them fighting for it throughout the day. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so I think this is a good place to take our break. When we come back, we're going to be with Andrew Johnson from Our Bank Racing. This is Inside Champ Car. Inside Champ Car is a podcast that takes a deep dive into all things going on with the Champ Car Endurance Series. Hosted by veteran journalist, radio host, and racer Brian Belansky and Champ Car's very own Bill Strong, we talk to drivers, team bosses, tech gurus, and series supporters. Episodes air every week in time for you to listen on your way to the track. Inside Champ Car is on the Racing Wire podcast network found on Apple, Spotify, Google, and most popular podcasting apps. Welcome back to Inside Champ Car. I'm Brian Belansky. He's Bill Strong. In the middle of episode two of this crazy thing we call Inside Champ Car. How we doing, Bill? Hey, doing good here. Good break. And uh, welcome back, guys. Welcome back, everybody. So joining us now from Our Bank Racing, Andrew Johnson. Andrew, welcome. How you doing? We're doing good. We're doing good. I'm in I'm in California, and we I mean, Bill was just giving me a hard time about having to close the window here in the studio. We're, you're up in up in the Illinois area. How's your weather these days? Oh, you know, it's a balmy 15 degrees right now. You know, I uh, don't have any windows open myself. Well, since you're <laughs> up in the north, is that Celsius or Fahrenheit? Oh, it's Fahrenheit. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So you're up in the Chicagoland area, my old my old stomping grounds. I, I raced up through that area many, many, many e- eons ago back at Road America and and we've, we've been at a lot of the same places before, but we've not crossed paths. So uh, tell us a little bit about your background, how, how you got involved in this crazy sport that we all love. Sure. Well, um, I started karting when I was nine years old. Um, my grandfather actually raced go-karts back in the 60s. And when I was about nine years old, he asked my dad when he was going to get me my first go-kart. And uh, when I heard go-kart, I started bugging him and... Uh, Eventually, he uh, bought a go-kart suit and all the goodies from a friend of mine, and uh, I kart raced until I was about 16, and uh, at that point, I realized my frame was a little bit better suited for football than it was kart racing, and I uh, went ahead and played some NCAA football, and uh, when I finished up college, uh, the racing bug still had me, and uh, from there, I did some uh, oval racing, and uh, then one day, I was reading... Uh, a local uh, motorsport magazine and saw something called 24 hours of lemons. Mm. And I took my oval racing car, which had been sitting next to the barn for a little while. 
uh, kind of tuned it up, did some cage work, and uh, tried 24 hours of lemons. And uh, so how many points? You know, how it was many, a little. How many points did they or points did they give you that for, or laps did they give you for that car? Or the, how the much first bribing, race. How or, much bribing did you have to do? <laughs> well, we we weren't sure of how the whole format worked our first race, and uh, I think we started with some laps, but. Once we figured out kind of how the, the series worked, uh, we got pretty good at it, and I think we won a class once. But um, we were having an absolute riot uh, road course racing. But um, the whole um, kind of atmosphere and some of the gamesmanship stuff wasn't quite up our alley. And then we had actually heard a, a whisper about some series called Jump Car yeah. and uh, that they were going to run at Road America, which I thought was crazy. They're going to let a bunch of yahoos like us run at Road America. But uh, sure enough, I think it was uh, the spring, April, maybe of 2011, um, after it got snowed out the first time, we uh, went ahead and raced at Road America for uh, Jump Car and uh, actually won our first event. And uh, we were hooked ever since. And uh, we, we've still been running uh, Jump Car now to this day and been having a blast. So so you go to Road America for the first time. I, I consider Road America one of the pantheons of of motorsports in the world what was your first impression when you went up to elkhart lake oh i think we were a little awestruck yeah. the facility is so nice and everything is so big and uh they run it so professionally that it was uh a lot different than some of the oval tracks we'd raced different than the cart tracks and uh different than some of the club tracks we had been running uh in lemons um it was a an absolute blast and a, a real eye-opener and such a wonderful facility we uh we raced there last last fall and have been trying to run there pretty much every year for the last 10 years. We um we had been running many of the East Coast races. And the first time I went out to Road America, I think it was 2013, I think it was me and Troy went out there. And um, you guys were garaged right next to us, I think it was, right? I think you, you were right next to us, or at least uh, one of your teammates was. Um, but we, I could not get over it how many long straightaways they were there. They just weren't, you know, most of our tracks that we race on was one long straightaway and a bunch of curvy bits here and there. But this was like long straightaway, turn, long straightaway, turn, long straight. And it was just like, by the time my first lap was done, I'm thinking, I'm not going to have any brakes left by the end of this lap. I mean, was that, did you guys have those kind of problems? I mean, I did. They weren't very good, but yeah. Well, as we got faster, um, we definitely had problems with Racer Road America. But our first race, uh, you know, we really weren't fast enough to have that many brake issues. You know, I think we were probably 25 seconds a lap slower than what we are now. And uh, we probably had maybe 105 horsepower under the tap. So the first race, we didn't have problems with brakes. But then as we slowly started adding power and getting the car faster, we definitely did. And that's been uh, one of the hardest parts about racing at Road America is I think it's the hardest track on brakes of any one that I've run at least. Yeah. Now you now it's not just you. I mean, your father is a big part of of what makes uh, the R Bank Honda uh, a fast car, isn't he? Oh yeah, he actually does the most work on the car, and uh, it's really his baby. I, I certainly help him out as much as I can, but you know, I'm I'm stuck working uh, you know twelve plus hours a day in my day job most of the time. So which Honda? Uh, what Honda do you run? Uh, right now we have a, a Honda CRX. Okay. Um, so it's the 88 to 91, the second generation one. Um, and it has a Acura Integra motor in it and, um, which, some revs, on it. which revs to like a million, million and a half. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so you walk out, you walk up and down pit, you know, the pit lane and people are like, I just can't believe that thing's still held together. 
Yeah. Well, the funny thing is that we actually uh, shifted lower than the factory red line. Oh, so, wow. you know, we might rev it to eight grand, but in the factory red line is 8250 or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, you're, you're really not stressing it more than what the manufacturer right. designed it for. So as far as keeping that car together and, and all of that kind of thing, you've got the Integra motor in it. How many races are you getting out of, you know, a, a motor before a rebuild? Or are you just taking that thing until it goes? Well, actually, um, I think we put the motor in the car probably in like 2017. And um, we had a new driver at pit race. We won on Saturday and on Sunday, uh, he was behind the, um, the oh. emergency vehicle and actually put the car in first gear accidentally. Oh. And they put a connecting rod out the front of the block. And uh, that was the end of that motor, um, which probably had a season or so on it. Okay. And we're on the same motor since then. I think we've done a valve job once. Otherwise, uh, haven't really done anything to it. And it's been running strong. Yeah, I think at Mid Ohio, before Mid Ohio, you'd added or you had posted up pictures of the head off the car. So you, I think that was a valve. Yeah, yeah, we, uh, you know, it just started feeling real lazy, and you know, we were getting pulled by cars, and even uh, Troy uh, came over and said, "Hey, you know, you guys are real reliable, but it doesn't seem like you're pulling the way it used to." And I was like, yeah, I really don't want to pull the head off. And, right. you know, it's, you know, it's going to be expensive. And, you know, if I don't put it back right, then, you know, we can have a problem. And um, it, it ended up turning out great, though. Uh, we, we got that power back that we had lost. And uh, it's running like a clock again. For those of you who don't know, who, who might not race Hondas and Acuras, all of the power in the Honda Acura setups comes from the head. So, you know, I, I, I ran Honda, uh, Hondas myself and, you could almost take a, 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 a lower end out of the junkyard, put a really good head on it, and run it for a long, long time, be really fast with it, right? Yeah. Um, well, with 1.8 liters, you know, you don't have a lot of displacement. And, right. uh, you know, you, you got to stay up in the RPM range in order to get that. And, uh, yeah, you know, if, you're, if your head's tired, you're going to really struggle. But as far as the bottom ends, um, yeah, I mean, right now they're, they're getting so, so beat up. You know, they're harder to find now that they're 20 plus years old. And, uh, you know, a lot of them have been, um, you know, in, well, have been beat pretty hard by some of the tuner uh, generation. And so uh, there, there's not a lot of good ones, uh, you know, motors in good shape anymore. The one thing that's nice is that uh, Champ Car allows you to uh, substitute with a, an equal JDM motor. And so okay. you can pick up, uh, you know, a JDM motor that has like 45,000 kilometers for a uh, a reasonable amount of money and just put that straight away in the car. Yeah. Well, 45,000 you know, kilometers. Yeah. 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 But you can put that straight away in a car without touching it. Right. And run seasons. Right. Um, you know, so teams that might not have the mechanical ability, you know, can, can go ahead and do that, not have to touch a motor and know that they have a, you know, a strong power, power plant. So, um, you know, that's an advantage that, uh, you know, champ car brought to the table a couple of years ago was allowing, you know, JDM equivalent or Euro equivalent motors, so, you know, looking at the stuff that, that Bill has shared with me, your team is one of the, the pretty consistent front runners in Champ Car. What is your secret? What is the secret sauce that keeps you guys in the mix race after race with these endurance? Type? Okay, I'm seeing Bill right. In, oh, he's getting ready to take notes. This is <laughs> this is the uh, <laughs> this is the R Bank Master. Do you want me to send Bill away for this part? Yeah, so yeah. That, so that he oh, yes, yes, please. You know, okay. I don't want to give away any of our secret sauce, but 
But um, yeah, first of all, uh, the team is run by uh, Robin Bank, who's uh, out of uh, El Equipa, Pennsylvania, which is a suburb of Pittsburgh. And, um, you know, he's been racing uh, professionally for a long time. Um, he actually ran Silver Crown Cars, USAC, mm-hmm. um, which, man, that would be a, a, yeah. a wild time. I, I can't even imagine getting in one of those cars. But um, he's, uh, you know, he, I would say he's the secret sauce as well as my dad. Um, you know, having a guy that can put the cars together as well as you can. And then having a guy like Robin who does all the strategy, all the driver development, um, finding drivers, um, you know, all the recruitment, finding talent. Um, and, you know, between those two, I, I'm in a pretty good spot. I'm, I'm pretty lucky. It's pretty funny with Robin. It's, it's like you look at his cars. Um, your car is a little bit better prepared looking than what his cars are. But his cars are so fast and so reliable. And the teams just make those things just make those cars do things that you think, no way did he just do that. So, Robin, when you walk down pit lane and when you guys are up front, even when you're further back um, towards the start of the race, he's sitting there with his phone in his hand looking at Race Hero or Race Monitor or Race Whatever looking at where you guys are, what the lap times are every now and then he'll peek his head out down the pit lane to look at the other guys that, you know, what are they doing? Are they coming in now? Are they looking at his strategy? He's so far ahead of everybody. Um, one time um, I actually was, my car was leading a race at mid Ohio and Robin was behind us by about three laps. And I'm on the phone with my guys. What do I do? Robin's going to catch me. He's that good. I, I can't do this strategy stuff. Racecraft is just not my thing. My guys on, you know, Troy and all our other friends, they're just like, you know, there's nothing you can do, dude. Just floor it. Just keep going as hard as you can. Push that gas as much as you can. And I, we ended up breaking. Robin wins the race um, with about, I think, two hours to go. I want to say five years later, um, I saw Robin talking to him. I said, hey, remember that race at Mid-Ohio? And he comes back with everything. I mean, he knew what lap we were on. He knew what, when we were going to pit, when we were going to fuel, how much fuel we were going to have, how, you know, who was going in the car next, which was me and who he was putting in. And basically at the end of the race, he was going to come down to, I think you were there too, weren't you for that mid Ohio race? No, I wasn't. Um, this year was the first year I've actually uh, ever oh, raced okay. cars at mid Ohio. Previous to that, it had just been uh, carts. But it was insane. Just how good he is at remembering all this stuff and, and knowing what's going to happen way ahead of everybody else it seems like and that's kind of why a lot of his cars win i mean how much influence is he i mean how much have you learned from him in that perspective because you also run with other teams too yeah um i mean i've certainly learned uh, a ton um he really has it down to a science and uh yeah i mean the amount of information he has on our car and what it's capable of doing our drivers as well as the competition what their car can do and what their drivers can do it's uh, pretty staggering I heard he's pretty ruthless when uh, you're, you get a little, you get in the car. He wants you to do something. If you can't do that, I mean, he really pushes you on the radio, doesn't he? Um, no, I, I wouldn't say he does. I, I don't think he tries to push anyone um, beyond their limits or beyond what they're comfortable with. I think he just tries to extract the most um, that he can out of a driver ah, okay. and try and put them in the best position he can. Does he have a way of kind of figuring out what makes each driver tick and, and kind of pushes you in that way? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it does take a little bit of time for him to figure out, you know, what makes each driver and what they can and what they can't do um, and what their specialties are. 
But um, after a few races, uh, he really gets drivers down pat and can really put a race strategy together of when drivers are going to go out and what conditions or at what part of the race. Um, and he really gets that all dialed in. Does the race strategy start? Because, you know, a lot of your races obviously are, are eight hours, 12 hours. Does, he, does that start right from the first lap or does it kind of look where the race develops, how it unfolds? And then does that how much does the strategy change as the race uh, unfolds and develops? Oh, it probably starts three months before the race <laughs> trying to figure out what what drivers, you know, um, he can get for what events. And, uh, you know, the longer races our bank racing, I think, uh, Bill, did they win the 36 and the 38? Yes. Yeah, they've okay. won. So some. the mega enduros, um, you know, so the, a mega enduro is uh, a very different monster than a seven and seven hour, uh, endurance race, which, uh, you know, for us, uh, champ car folk, uh, you know, That's it's short. almost a sprint race for us, right. you know, yeah. we're, we're pedal down the whole time without, you know, without lifting or giving the car a break. So, I mean, they're a completely different beast, but, um, no, it, it doesn't start, you know, into the race. It starts, you know, months, uh, beforehand. Uh, so it, it definitely, uh, you know, is not something that's spur of the moment. I know that a lot of teams will sit there looking at the registration list for the race to see who's showing up and, and they kind of get an idea of who, you know, there's been the teams up front, you kind of know who the drivers are and do you kind of pick your drivers according to who else may be coming that, that will work on that track and work with the car? Um, you know, it, it, it could play into it. Um, you know, you really have to know your competition and um, doing it as long as we have, you know, when we look at a, a, an entry list, we, we generally speaking have a good idea of, you know, who our main competition is. And, you know, year to year, um, you might have teams that, you know, get a little bit quicker, get a little bit slower. There can be new teams to the series that come out, kind of come out of nowhere. Um, car, uh, teams can switch to a new, um, you know, make and model. Um right new different type of car. So there's really a lot to it. Well, you say that a team switching to different makes and models. That's one thing that our bank has been pretty, you know, they either have the Honda or the Sobs. And I think they've had a couple of other cars in there, but it's pretty much been those cars where you have teams that just every year or every six months are showing up with a different car. There's no way to really fully develop that car. And I think that that's what gives you guys the big, the big plus. Yeah. I'm not sure that that's really a big plus. Um, we're a very budget minded team. So you had made some comments earlier, you know, about how, you know, the, some of our cars might not look that good. And yeah, you know, uh, when we have a limited budget, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, our money's going into new, new wheel bearings or new tie rod ends, you know, it might not get that new fender. Um, it might not get a new paint job. You know, when, when funds are tight, they're going to go to uh, whatever's going to make the car, you know, reliable and perform the best. Which is pretty funny when you see these guys show up with these, uh, you know, big uh, transporters and five or six cars in them. And then they have another transporter that has all the parts and the team guys in it and such. And they set up encampments and there's our bank with an open trailer. and Maybe and, uh, an easy up. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe an easy up. That's right. <laughs> and yeah, they're I mean, their I mean it, it really is a struggle though. Um, you know, like this year, uh, you know, we really didn't have much of a budget for, for rain tires and uh, we wanted to figure out, you know, what, what some good tires were that could be run in the dry and the wet and were a good compromise that had good wear, um, but good speed. And then we saw, uh, you know, 20% discount for Maxxis VR1 tires. And so, uh, you know, we started running those and found they were, uh, you know, a, a great, great compromise between 
you know, grip, longevity, uh, dry, wet, everything. Um, and we had some great wins on those in the dry and the wet, um, you know, and that was, you know, key to our budget this year. Uh, another thing that's been key to our budget is um, being partnered with uh, 90racing.com, who gives us um, a ton of support and, um, you know, probably supplies us with, you know, half or three quarters of the parts that go into the car. Um, and, you know, they've been, you know, a critical key component now for a few years of our racing program. Yeah, most of us have bought stuff from 90 Racing. That's Robin Banks' sister's store. Isn't it a family store or family? It's a, yeah, Sharon yeah. Bank. Yep. Um, you know, I, I think one of the few, if not the only uh, um, women owned uh, USAC uh, Silver Crown team as well. She's yeah. a Silver Crown uh, team owner. And it's pretty, um, it's pretty awesome because you'll call her up and say, hey, I kind of need this. And I don't really know the name of it. She'll just boom, boom, boom. She knows exactly what you want. Oh, yeah. That's how I am. You know, hey, you know, uh, I don't really like the last shoes I had but I don't want to spend 150 bucks. Like what, what's the best shoe for 80 bucks or a person like me, you know, Hey, um, those European cut slim fit suits aren't (laughs) going to work too well for me. Uh, you know, uh, what, what suits kind of run, uh, you know, a little large in the midsection. And, um, you know, she's really good at, you know, you know, she always has your ear to the ground and gets feedback from customers. And she is really good with the safety stuff and the gear knowing, you know, what, what kind of, what's going to work with your budget and what can fit certain people. Yeah. She's really good with that. Now, now driving a small car like the Honda, you're a, you know, you're a, a mature guy like myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is that the word we use nowadays? I don't know. But uh, is it, I mean, is it hard finding cars to, to fit in? I mean, like that, the Honda, the small cars like that, or is it you just, you have the proper size seat and the whole bit? Yeah. I mean, I, I need a pretty big seat. Um, I think we have a 17 and a half or an 18 inch seat yeah, in the yeah. car. Um but the window opening and the height of the car make it a little bit difficult for me to uh, slip in. Um, you're over six foot, right? Yeah, I'm six two. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm six two and you know, about two hundred seventy five, maybe three hundred pounds on a good day. Um, <laughs> so I'm a I'm a I'm a big boy, and uh, yeah, getting in a little car like a uh, Miata or a CRX can be difficult. But um, you know, we make it work. You know, get the seat in the right position, and you know, we we try and accommodate it for all different size drivers. You know, we have drivers. Uh, you know, anything from, you know, five foot two or five foot three all the way up to six yeah. foot five. So explain that. How does Troy, who's, you know, um, what's Troy's last name with you that races with you guys? Not true, Leo. Um, he raced with you guys at uh, Gingerman, one Gingerman in the car. Oh, he, he's he's actually raced with us um, a bunch of times, three times now. Yeah. 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 He, I, 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 I know he raced with us at Utah on the Saab. Um, he ran our Honda at Charlotte. And, um, yeah, he, he's run with us a handful of times. So how do you and, do uh, that? I mean, you're, you're a big guy. He's a little guy. I'm, I want to say five, five, four, five, five, maybe smaller. I don't know, maybe a little taller, but, uh, how does that work with you getting out of the car and him getting in? What, what do you have to do to do, to, to do that? You know, um, a lot of time we'll, what we'll do is the, the day before a race, we'll have drivers get in the car and, you know, get some seat padding and just try and figure out. Uh, what makes them comfortable um, and then kind of leave it up to them to make sure that they have the gear they need uh, ready for, you know, the, the race. So, you know, some seat pads um, we don't have, we don't run seat sliders. It's a fixed seat um, mm-hmm. just for safety reasons. I don't really like relying on, you know, movable things. Um, but, you know, so we make sure the belts are, you know, adjusted for all the different sizes and then, you know, seat pads and, uh, you know, a little bit of compromise, you know, if you're a tall guy, your knees are going to be bent a little bit. 
And if you're a, you know, shorter guy, your legs are going to be a bit straight. Um, but you got to find a, uh, you know, a medium ground that works for everyone. So we're, we're coming up on the clock here. What, what does 2022 look for you guys this year? What kind of schedule are you looking to run? Uh, what are your thoughts looking forward to this year? Um, so I think we're going to start our season off in April. Um, hopefully we're going to run two different cars in April, one at Daytona and one at the Ozarks. And, uh, from there, we're going to run quite a bit in the Midwest and then, uh, maybe a little bit, you know, out East at, you know, pit race and mid Ohio and some of those events. I think we're planning on running, you know, somewhere around 10 races and, uh, you know, we've got a, a, a really strong driver lineup and, um, we're planning on running two cars and uh, then I'll be dabbling a little bit with the uh, premium dudes as well. Who's uh, another team that I'm part of. That's some uh, friends of mine from the Chicago and area. And that's um, a Honda so, powered E30. Yeah. It's yep. a, uh, a Honda K24 powered E30. That's uh, an absolute <laughs> wicked riot. fast. Yeah. So, so uh, what is your favorite race in champ car? My favorite race. Hmm. I don't know. That's, that's a good question. They, you know, each race brings, you know, total different elements to the table. Um, you know, I, I always have a really good time at, you know, Gingerman each summer. Um, but I mean, the challenges of uh, a road America, you know, a Watkins Glen, a road Atlanta, you know, I don't know that I can say there's a favorite, you know, I, I, I like them all for different reasons. So as we get to this year, you know, I, I always love talking about just kind of the storytelling side of the sport and, 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 and listening to people, you know, give their, you know, what, what was your craziest race? What was your, your, your most interesting come from behind kind of thing? Is there, is there a particular race that you can think of that you've done that, you know, that's really sticks out in your mind as, as just really memorable when you're, when you talk to somebody who's not, into racing or not into champ car and you want to tell them and get them excited about it. What's the one story you tell? Ooh, um, you know what? It might be the, uh, 2016, uh, East coast championship at VIR. We were just running the VIR North course. So, um, we show up and, uh, we hadn't run any races over seven or eight hours. And we had the, the stock CRX brakes on the car for, um, all the previous events, which are like 9.6 inch rotors. They're tiny. You know, they look like something off of a bicycle. They worked fine for us, but we would be out of brake pads after seven or eight hours. Now this was going to be a park Fermi race. So it was going to be, you run eight hours on Saturday, park the car on pit lane. You can't touch it overnight. And then you race on Sunday. So we knew we needed a, a different brake package and um, we had something screwed up. Uh, when we were driving the car in the pits um, or in practice laps that Friday, um, the wheel was probably jumping up and down a foot and the pedal was jumping all over and the car, we could barely slow down safely. And, uh, you know, we tried a bunch of things on Friday. Nothing really worked. Um, you know, we were pretty, uh, you know, pretty, pretty low on ourselves. Hopes weren't good. Um, first driver went out. Um, we started first, I think went back to 30th or 35th, probably out of 80 cars. Um, nobody was particularly happy after the first stint. Um, I jumped in the car second. He said, you know, Hey, I, I think the brakes are feeling a little bit better than they were yesterday. 
And then a couple laps later, you know, hey, I, I, this is manageable. You know, I, I think we can we can work with this. Um, and I think when I got out of the car, we were up to 10th or so and then slowly worked through the day um, until we were um, first at the end of the day. And uh, then Sunday we went out and um, everything kind of just started hitting like clockwork. And uh, we ended up uh, winning that event. And, uh, you know, it was one where Friday we just thought, you know, the car is going to shake itself apart in the first hour. Um, Saturday we start the race and it certainly seemed that way. And, you know, after the first stint, you know, we, were, we moved backwards 30 positions and things weren't working our way. And we just kind of stuck with it and, uh, you know, ended up getting that East Coast championship. And it was a really fun event. And uh, it seemed like there was a lot of adversity. <clears throat> and our team was actually racing at the 25 hours of Thunder Hill that same weekend. So Robin Bank was actually out west at Thunder Hill. And um, one of our uh, core drivers, uh, Kerry Steed, he was actually in charge of um, running that race for the team. And um, he actually uh, is a driver based out of uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, and owns a uh, pizza restaurant, Generations Pizza, that sponsors us as well. And um, that was really the... good pizza, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I've, you, you always hear that. Um, yeah. And uh, a nice bar there as well, too. Um, their, their captain and Coke are to die for, I hear, as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but, so uh, yeah, I think that of all of all the events, that one might be the one of the most memorable, for sure, for me. So, so okay, now, now you've got me peaked. I was about to wrap this up, but i got to ask one last question. So what happened with the brakes that, that made them come in? Was it just, just getting used to the brakes and understanding how they worked? Or was there something mechanically that you guys, you know, tapped in on after that first stint or two on Saturday? No, I don't think there was anything mechanically wrong. I think it was a pad transfer issue. And uh, with the size brakes and different size rotors, um, I think we may have been, you know, working out of the operating zone for the brake pads. And we uh, probably had some, you know, extremely aggressive pads on there um, that left some goofy transfer. Uh, you know, maybe we didn't bed them quite right. Um, but, you know, there was nothing mechanically wrong. And I think as we went on, you know, uh, they may have just started to bed or you know, just started the seat better. And they, they weren't good at the end of the race, but they were a whole heck of a lot better than they were when we started the race. That was for sure. Now, do you guys run the same pads at every race or do you run the different pad compound or different brake setup or different setups for different tracks, depending on the speeds or, you know, the conditions of the track? Yeah. You know, we, we, we changed the car configuration, you know, to suit, you know, the type of race, um, whether it's a short or a long track or, uh, you know, whether it's something that we want to have um, better wear or better modulation. And, um, you know, we, uh, you know, we'll talk to Sharon of 90racing.com, you know, and kind of see, uh, you know, what she thinks and what her recommendations are, you know, if there's anything kind of on sale too, because we're always, you know, budget minded, but um, no, we definitely reconfigure the car brakes and other things as well, um, you know, to suit us for each different event. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Bill, anything else before we wrap this thing up? No, you're going to win this year, the championship. We're going to try. <laughs> number one, number one ranked car do, uh, with overall wins for last year. And uh, at Ozark, I think that's going to be a track the uh, Honda is going to do really well at. Well, I really like those gold number one panels, and I'm going to do my best to try and keep them. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. All right. Andrew Johnson from R Bank Racing. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, he is Bill Strong. I'm Brian Belansky. This is Inside Champ Car. We'll be right back. Every race weekend, you don't know what's going to happen. 
But with ChampCar.Live, all the action comes right into your living room. The Champ Car Endurance Series is North America's home to real competitive endurance road racing. And ChampCar.Live brings you live, full race coverage with in-car, trackside cameras, interviews, and expert commentary. And ChampCar.Live brings you live, full race coverage with in-car and trackside cameras, interviews, and expert commentary. Check out ChampCar.Live on the web, subscribe, and ring the bell so as not to miss a single minute of the action. It's fun, free, informative, and it's just a click away. ChampCar.Live. Come check us out. We bring you a front row seat, but you'll only need the edge. Welcome back to Inside Champ Car. I'm Brian Belansky. He's... Bill Strong. And I'm really upset. You look like you almost forgot your name, by the way. Oh, yeah, I kind of, you know. <laughs> Coming up on 60, that kind of happens, I hear. So we just got done with Andrew Johnson. My gosh, he is, a, a, number one, a good guy. Yeah. Number two, full of info. Not the info I wanted. I was say, how's your notepad? It's empty. <laughs> I, I wanted, like, you know, the strategy, what is, you know. I Yeah, that team, that team's good. And it's fun watching them on pit lane. It's, uh, you know, they've got some outstanding drivers. Guys that you've kind of never heard of, and then boom, it's like, wow, this guy is putting down some insane laps with the equipment that they have. Like I said, that sob, when you look at the sob, you kind of look and you go, huh, that ain't going to last. Or, yeah, it, you know, you're just waiting for the rut. You hit a pothole on the track and you're just watching the rust come off of it. But that those sobs are solid, they are um, fast. And uh, I want to say at one point at Road Atlanta, I may have lost it a little bit at one point in a race where there was a little no. bit of a little bit of body contact between <laughs> me and an R bank car. And I think we may have kind of transferred our numbers from door to door going down <laughs> between five and six. And then I, afterwards I'm like, what did I heck did I just do? But you know, <laughs> never do that again, Good but stuff. it was, uh, it gets pretty, you know, it gets pretty heated out there with some, with some teams. And as you know, you're trying to get the, the best out of everything and you're trying to get around these guys and our bank they're on it 100 when he says they're yeah they were just they're not sticking back once that green flag drops that engine sitting at what do you say eight thousand yeah i'll bet you it's 8600 rpm <laughs> <laughs> uh sounds good all right well i want to thank andrew for being our guest next week we're going to recap everything that happened at road atlanta that should be fun I'm sure we'll have another tech tip and a, and a fantastic guest. So, Bill, again, thanks for being with me. What a great episode. It's been fun. All right. This is Inside Champ Car. I'm Brian Belansky. He's Bill Strong. And this is the Racing Wire Podcasting Network.